Now, I almost put a mask on today. Uh, you know, we're back, right, with the hazmat suit. It's great to see you all. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, no masks. Uh, and, you know, now they're actually, I've noticed, requiring that if you go into certain stores, you have to wear a mask. Can you, can you put your shirt over your face? Do they let you do that? I, no? Uh, we'll find out, I right? I was just attaching some, you know, so, so you can hook it when you pull it. Because it's hard to keep it up there. There it is. I mean, this is, it. this is construction guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's how where you're hunting backwards. Like, so, yeah, you have to wear a mask in some place. Costco. Well, yeah, Costco, Menards. Starting tomorrow. Oh, okay. oh Menards, too, no? Yeah. I, the guy at Menards told me no. Oh, good. Okay, so but I heard wrong then. Then, no. But no. Some are and some aren't. Okay. One guy told me that yeah. at the store. They weren't yesterday. So tangent. But hey, you know what? That's We're not back. A tangent. That is standard talk. <laughs> That's how days. it goes in here. Yeah. That's standard That's operating procedure. Um, so where are we at? We push the reset button. We are in John, and before our big break, <coughs> our big uh, sabbatical, we had made it to John chapter seven. Now John, the Gospel of John, is different than the other three synoptic gospels. Um, in many ways, we're not going to get into it today, but one of the focuses of John's gospel that is a little bit different from the synoptics is just the presentation of Jesus and his style. We're going to talk about that today. Um, this was our title last time for John chapter 7, which is Jesus Encounters Major Resistance. Now, I, <laughs> I put in my own flavor here. Jesus encountered it because he caused it. Let's be honest. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, and, and kind of the, the, maybe the preconception, misconception of some folks who maybe are not as familiar with the Bible, maybe they are, that Jesus was this hippie. Hippie of love. I love all people. Let's all just get along. I'm a peaceful guy. Don't, don't condemn anyone. Don't judge anyone. Live your life the way you want to live it. Let's all be free and love each other. People who say that have not read the book of John. <laughs> Congratulations, you are going to read it today. Morning, brother. We're going to talk about Jesus' claims because part of this, this is two parts here. Why Jesus encountered major resistance. The first is his claims. What are the things that Jesus are claiming? So I'm telling you this now, so as we start to read it, you can start to think, what are the answers to some of these questions? <clears throat> the second thing we're going to talk about, so there's his claims, which are very controversial. Let's talk about Jesus' attitude and his approach. That's the other half of this coin. There's a reason why people were trying to kill him. Partly it was what he was saying. Partly it was how he was saying it. Now, the other thing we're going to talk about right at the beginning is this idea of how the New Testament came to be. Now, for some people, that's very dry. Uh, maybe, maybe all of it's dry. I don't know, the archaeology, the temple, and that sort of thing. But it's really important because we're going to encounter a section here in John chapter 8, in which most modern translations make it very clear that this section was not a part of the, quote, original manuscripts. We're going to talk about that. So let's just jump right into it today. <clears throat> and actually, we're going to read John chapter 8. And actually, I would like us to start in 7. We're going to start in chapter 7, verse 53. Let me write that. 7. 53, 2, we're going to read 2, 8, 11. I'm just going to read that section there. Who would like to read that section for me today? And everyone left and went home. 
Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he went back to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat and taught them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. They forced her to stand before the people. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught having sexual relations with a man who is not her husband. The law of Moses commands that we stone to death every woman who does this. What do you say we should do? They were asking this to trick Jesus so that they could have some charge against him. But Jesus bent over and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they continued to ask Jesus their question, he raised up and said, Anyone here who has never sinned can throw the first stone at her. Then Jesus bent over again and wrote on the ground. Those who heard Jesus began to leave one by one, first the older men and then the others. Jesus was left there alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus raised up again and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one judged you guilty? She answered, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, I also don't judge you guilty. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. Excellent. Thank you. <clears throat> what are your reactions to this passage? What stands out to you? It takes two to tango. Ooh. Love that. <laughs> Let's write that down here. <clears throat> A woman caught. <clears throat> takes two. None of the other gospels cover the story, right? <laughs> right. <clears throat> yep. Well, like you said before, that John is writing to counter false religion, Gnosticism. And so uh, he's bringing this other stuff up, showing that Jesus is the one true living God, and he has power. It's interesting, you know, Nathan brought up takes two to tango. Well, not only that, but the Levitical law says that you arrest both people. And here the Pharisees already broke that because they let the guy go and just brought the woman. So violating the law. Now here we're talking the religious law. So it says both of them get stoned, not mm -hmm. just the woman. Okay. So you point that out because it's, is this not Levitical law that we're talking about here, but... It's the extension. Who is who is on who is the people who are basically on trial? If we draw our, our assumption here, <clears throat> where is he at where this is happening? The it's temple. A, it's the temple. It's the it's the temple court. So we can infer that this is a religious issue, right? Now, absolutely, if you're a pious Jew of the first century, first thing you're gonna say to yourself is <clears throat> well, this woman was caught in adultery, we need to do something about it, right? I want to talk about that for a minute. What was, morning, special, I'm just gonna draw it out. In how many, how many years have I been doing this? Welcome, sir. This is my first Sunday school ever. That's great. Okay. Everyone be cool. All right. Uh, uh, Principal's here. Yeah, it, it's kind of it, right? This is, this is my evaluation day. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh. Buy another microphone. Uh, let's talk about that. And so Steve made the comment. People caught in it. Well, first of all, let's be honest here. Marital infidelity in the first century was a big deal for Jews. It was a pseudo big deal for Romans and Greeks. They would put on a show to say, I am a man of fidelity and I will marry my wife and I will have no girlfriends. How many times did that happen? <laughs> on the surface, they would claim piousness. 
it was very common for, for the Greco-Roman cultures to cheat on their spouses. It happens today, right? But in the religious setting, it was a very big deal. The penalty for adultery was what? <clears throat> so now you have all these people who have come out, and they are they're accusing this woman <clears throat> of adultery. So that, that, is, that is a good one. I found it interesting yeah. that they, they're asking Jesus' opinion about ah. it. Just like... Yes. Why do you think they were doing that? Well, one of the stories I heard that they're fed up with Jesus, but as they're coming by, they happen to see Jesus there. He's, oh, we, if we bring this woman to Jesus and he says, well, there's lovey-dovey stuff, well, you got to let her go, you got to be nice, then they can condemn Jesus because this is of it. that. But also, if, if he joins them, then he can... Uh, they can, uh, they're more on the same side. Well, if, he's, if he says stoner, well, then he's violated the Roman law because Rome, Romans don't let Jews kill people, you know, execute. People. There was only one reason that a Jew could kill someone. What was that reason? Entering and I've drawn the temple for a reason <laughs> here. The wrong part of the temple. If you're a Gentile and you enter to the court of women, which is essentially the, the holy part of the temple courts, there was a sign posted outside in Aramaic, Hebrew, and Latin. It may have been Greek too, I don't know that. <laughs> it said, if you enter this court and you're a Gentile, you will be killed. That was the only way that they could kill you. So this was a big deal. Now, what do we know about mob justice in the first century? <laughs> yeah, selective. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, technically on the books, I'm not supposed to do it, but we're gonna stone them. I like, I like going down this path. Asking Jesus' opinion. Let's let's dig that a little bit further. You're onto the right track, right? Yeah. Well, they're either they're trying to um, because he's irritated them every time because they they come up because this it's either black or white. Yeah. And Jesus comes out of the outfield with this wild answer that kind of confuses them and really shames them. They lose face, and so they're trying to gain his face back or honor. And he, I think and this is a really really good farther, point. Farther, in Jewish leaders are at a crossroads. And I, and I say that because I want you to go back to chapter 7. Just look at chapter 7, and let's remind ourselves what happened. Jesus goes to the Feast of Tabernacles. He's teaching at the feast. Suddenly, the Jewish leaders say, we want to find out more about this man Jesus. He's in, he's in our turf now. He's making all these different claims, and we want to go and figure out what he's saying. What do they do? They send temple guards to go and get him and to bring him back to answer for the things that he's saying. But what is this? Ha what happens? He makes such amazing claims and his words are so inspiring that the temple guards leave him alone. Now, remember, I, you know, two months ago, I made the, the point here. Who do you hire as a temple guard? Is it a lovey-dovey, <laughs> peace-loving human? You hire a, a knuckle smasher. You hire a skull smasher. They're ready for a fight. They, they would love nothing more than a fight. They come back. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? Well, no one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Has any of the ruler or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. So that shows you a couple of things. 
the hate of the Jewish leaders and the fact that they think so little of their people. Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus, our star Sanhedrin player here, secret Jesus follower, said, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They immediately replied, are you from Galilee too? <laughs> Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee, which it does. And it's in the Bible. Anyway, so that's the setup here. The Jews, the Jewish leaders are at a crossroads. They are being confronted with a man who is challenging them at their core. Now, so that's the setup here. So it's not like just some people just suddenly heard about Jesus and they were all freaked out. This is eight as a continuation of seven. So as we get into this, why are they coming to him? They want to know his opinion because they want to catch him. I want to catch this guy and I'm going to catch him in his words. And Jesus is so good. Why? always asks better questions. Yes! <laughs> That's it. Nathan says it because he turns it around. He never answers your question. He asks his own question that challenges you. And what does that do? Oh, that ticks them off. <laughs> well, that's twofold. Yep. One uh, is showing how they're not understanding what the intent of God was. And two, he's got to get them mad enough so they put them on the cross. Thank you, brother. That's, the, that's, that's an excellent point. They're kind of like a gambler who just keeps betting because he's like, I got to get my money back. And if I keep getting, I like, if I got to keep betting because I got to keep get my money back. And they keep trying to question him because they keep thinking like, okay, we're going to finally get one up on Jesus. Yes. And, and they keep getting in the hole like farther and farther. They can't land on black 10 times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if they're Steve Cruz. <laughs> I don't I'll, know I'll what blur that out. means. That's good. That's good. What's he writing in the ground, do you think? That's a good question. Does anyone know the answer? Yeah. They're guesses. We don't know. We don't know what it is. Who departs first here? This includes. Why do you think the old people are departing first? I think it's because they're a little more honest with themselves. That's my opinion. Okay. As I as I as we read that, <coughs> that's kind of the thought that came mm -hmm. to my mind was like the older guys are like, oh yeah. I know what I've done. I, I mean, I, I believe that it was something to do with their own sins, you know. And I'm a little more apt to, to own up to what a garbage life I've lived than the young guy that's still like, uh. yes. I mean, the, the Pharisees mm -hmm. themselves, they, they, at this point, they still think they're right. Yeah. In the name of God. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, we look back, it's easy for us to go, I'm a bunch, bunch of dummies. Yeah. You know, but they thought they were doing right. Mm -hmm. How does that apply to today? <laughs> it's no different. Equal. People are people. People are people. So That's funny. I was just singing that song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Old guys. <laughs> to condemn him, I'm going to offer another, another option here. It may not be just a two-option thing. I legitimately think people are asking him because they wanted to know. I think there were, there were people who were interested in his message here. And to understand him, I'm going to say, we know from the text that Jesus had this lightning-like effect on people. He, there was no in-between for the most part. A person who heard Jesus' message was either completely ambivalent or hated him, or they were all in. And sometimes they went back and forth. 
Sometimes they were all in, and then they were all out, and then they were all in. Jesus had this lightning-like effect, but in almost all circumstances, there were people in the crowd that heard his message and believed it, or at least wanted to know more, and Nicodemus was obviously one of them. Let's talk. Yeah, go ahead. Jesus' secret is that he was at the Mount of Olives. He was praying. Yeah, which is where? So this is the second temple. This is Mount Zion. Where is the Mount of Olives in relation to this? Uh, this is north. Okay. I just know it's close. Oh, I'm the next hill over. Yeah, so it would be the blue area here. Okay. This would be the Mount of Olives. Um, so... Why did I even say that? What did that matter? I don't know. Jesus was praying before all. Yes, he was praying before. So he was. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, see, it goes. Um, so then he comes over to the temple courts. I want to talk for a minute here about this section. Now I have my very first thing here is the formation of the New Testament. It's really important, and I make this case every single week almost. <clears throat> Jesus was not born in a manger. And he had this little nice New Testament tucked under his arm. <laughs> In fact, and I draw timelines. I'll draw a timeline. Let's do it. You know, hey, we're back. Let's have right? it all. Let's do it all, bro. Woo! <coughs> I'm not going to well, do. Really had the Pentateuch under his arm. Nice. <laughs> I like that. It's good. I, see, this is why I want you to come more. <laughs> and we appreciate that. We appreciate that. All right, so. Let's say this is the year one. There's no, there's no zero. Let's say it's 1 AD. Let's say for argument's sake, this is roughly the time when Jesus was born, which we think it was. <sighs> this, is, this is 500 AD. Woo, this is a big one. All right? This is about 250, 350. This is about the time of, Con of Constantine. This is, this is when the Roman Empire... Um, uh, you know, essentially legalized Christianity. This is about, what is this, about 125. This is about, what, 70? What is it, 60, give or take? So Jesus is living in this period right here. Look how small that is compared with everything else. <coughs> it's important. I'm just going to spend five minutes on this. When Jesus began his ministry, it only lasted for a few years, maybe three years, give or take, based on our interpretation of how many, counting how many Passovers he attended in the New Testament, it's somewhere around three or four. So we think his ministry was about three or four years long, give or take. His message was what? What was Jesus' message? The gospel is what? <clears throat> the good news, which is? Came to save the world. He, Jesus came to save the world. And what did he say about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? It's at hand. It is at hand. The Greek here is, it is already here, essentially. It means it has already come, meaning he has come. The new kingdom is here. And Jesus preached a message that soon, someday, there would be a judgment. There would be a judgment. There would be, he would come back at the end of his ministry. He said, I'm going to return the same way you saw me leave from the Mount of Olives. What did, his, what did his disciples think that meant? Physical. The revolution. Yes? They thought he was Re coming back very soon. All Be of right the above. Back. Be right back. <laughs> Intermission. I love that. BRB. Be right back. Because of that, he told his disciples, it is important that you drop what you're mm -hmm. doing. Get out and tell the world about me. Jesus. Tell the world about Jesus. 
stop at nothing. The, the, the whole effort here was, was going out and telling people verbally what Jesus had done. As time wears on. Now we get into the year, so right around here is where Paul is really reaching his peak. <clears throat> he starts writing letters to the churches in, in um, the Mediterranean region. Stories start to circulate. Now remember, the whole way that this works is, maybe I'll write it this way. <clears throat> so I'll do it up here. So this is verbal. They're going out, they're telling people, there's no time to write this down. I'm just going to tell you, Nathan, this is the good news. This is, this is the truth of the gospel. As time starts to go on, what happens to all the people who knew Jesus in the beginning? They're starting to die. They're dying. Now people are standing on the Mount of Olives like, well, maybe it's not going to be so soon as we thought. So what is the next thing? What do they want to do to preserve all of this knowledge? We've got to write it down. Stories of Jesus start to circulate in the first century, the latter half of the first century. Paul's letters were probably the first writings of the New Testament. It was not the Gospels, folks. Galatians, maybe, maybe 1 Thessalonians are probably the first letters ever written that we still have today about Jesus. The Gospels start to be written towards the second half of the first century. But it's in fragments. It's pieces. Mark starts to write some things. Another source that we call the Kella, or which is German for source, we think, starts to write some material. Stories of Jesus circulate called the, the Didache. Have you guys heard of the Didache before? It's Greek. I mean, Didache, which means teaching. It's essentially, we start writing down stories for kids to learn in church so that they know what our doctrine is. Those start to get assembled into the forms that we have today. But those forms are still variable. There's different versions of them. <clears throat> and so here you might have two or three or four copies. Remember, this isn't the age of the internet. So a, a version would go out to one city, another would go to another city. They are almost identical. There are some slight variations. At some point, the earliest manuscripts that we have today, remember, we dig these things up from the past. They, the, the earliest that we have are from the fourth century. This is <laughs> the first we have today. We have are from this period. They have already been circulated for 100, 200 years before this. Some of them don't have this passage here, which is the beginning of John. Does that mean they weren't already in circulation? No. It just means that we didn't have them, right? Preserved 2,000 years later. <clears throat> the argument for including this, now remember this too, is that a lot of very smart people spent a lot of time in the first couple hundred years trying to figure out what the truth was of Jesus' mission and, and, his, and his work here on earth. What they came to was an understanding where they read this passage, they started to see these circulated, and they started to include it in the Gospel of John. All, I'm going to write this in black because this is really important. All. The writings we have today were edited. I'm sorry if that disturbs you. It's not a disturbing thing. Moses didn't write about his own death on Mount Nebo. I'm sorry, folks. He didn't. Okay? All of the writings we have today were edited. That's not a bad thing. Okay? Because we are, this is opaque to us. We don't know what was circulating. 
until later. These stories start circulating of Jesus and this woman writing things in the ground. It's included in your, most of your New Testament versions because those people a long time ago said, even though it's not really part of these final copies, it was being circulated, does this story fit with Jesus' character? Yes. Does this fit with his theology? Absolutely. There's no reason to exclude it. So who are we <laughs> to say it didn't happen? Now, you can read something like this and say, well, the earliest manuscripts and other witnesses, and a witness means a manuscript, by the way, or a writing by a person who read the manuscript, do not have this. You can immediately read that and go, oh, that's not right. It's not true. That's not what it's saying, folks. They're just telling you. The earliest pieces here, the, the earliest book of, of Mark, or I'm sorry, Matthew, <clears throat> and Luke have additions to them that were combined maybe centuries later by people who had the right pieces and they put them together. It's not saying that this isn't wrong. The whole point I'm saying here is you have to understand how the New Testament is put together, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. So I'm not trying to discount this. There's a reason it's in here. Yeah, Nathan. So the argument you would make then to exclude like the Apocrypha, like the Gospel of Timothy, is that it is out of line with what we know of the character of Jesus. Yeah, in fact, that's, that's, it kind of goes along with what um, was said earlier about the, the Gnosticism. The Gospel of Thomas was a very famous late 1st, early 2nd century writing that said that Je claimed Jesus was just a spirit being. He wasn't a physical being. And that's why John is writing a lot of this, is to kind of counter the thoughts at the time. That kind of thing goes against the core of what has been written about Jesus in the past. So the, the editors of the, of the Bible, of the New Testament, said this, this contradicts what we know. And so we're not going to include it. Now, it was included, some of the Apocrypha was included because it was part of the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament. <clears throat> um, and because of that, some of the, the Catholic Church kept them because they kept kind of a literal translation of the Septuagint plus the New Testament writings. It was only after Martin Luther, see this is again, where are we here, five? Okay, let's, let's do it. So this is 10. It was only here that most of your Bibles were finally finalized. Does that surprise you? Only during the Reformation was the Apocrypha taken out, the pseudo-pagraphical writings were taken out. So you're telling me the original Bible isn't King James? I love you. <laughs> no, it's the NIV. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a few documents. No. We have over 50,000 fragments and yeah. documents that they're referencing from. So with the exactly. quantity, we can narrow it down to 99.9%. They've also, they're still researching, they found a fragment of Gospel of Mark to 50 AD out of Egypt. So what am I trying? Yeah. So what am I trying to say here? What is, what's the point? This is the word of God. And can you trust it? Yes. Trying to convince a you know sixty-year-old of that could be hard, right? All right. The validity of Jesus' testimony. Let's go ahead and go on. Was there any any other questions or comments about that? I think it's interesting how how society and maybe even Christians to, a, to an extent will take Jesus' statement here, you without sin cast the first stone, and use that 
to either justify what they're doing or, um, you know, to, to uh, um, just evade punishment for okay. what they've done. Excellent. And in no point did Jesus ever accept the sin the woman did or yes. the man who didn't show up. Well, the last phrase. You know, he he told her to repent. You know, he told her to you know, I'm not going to condemn you, but stop doing what you've been doing. Stop sinning. This is an excellent point. Who is he saying is the the ultimate judge here? God. God the Father. And on earth, while Jesus is here, he's saying I'm not even the judge. Not yet, anyway. And I love the that's I couldn't say this any better. Go now and leave your life of sin. There is no free ticket here for the woman. The well, point is the people condemning us. her. Say it again. He's also saying that to us. Ah. <clears throat> All right. Let's go ahead and read verse 12. Got to move on here. Let's go 12 to 30. Who would like to read that for me? Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him, because his hour had not come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declared to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So one of the things I like to ask people in this class is put yourself in the shoes of a first century, you know, Judean person or Galilean person. Would you have believed Jesus? 
Well, of course. <laughs> Nathan's right. <laughs> what if you had a time machine and you went back? What if you had a time machine and you went back and you saw all the stuff that fills in the gaps that we don't have in the New Testament? We only have a few thousand words here of Jesus' testimony. He lived for 33 years. He taught for at least three or four, probably more than that. <clears throat> what, would, what would your reaction be? Well, as a common peasant, the thing is he's offering a hope and a solution. Uh-huh. If you're a religious leader, he's messing up the system. Because you got this thing wired and everybody's doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and he's saying, we're wrong. I think that I, I was at the mall, <laughs> and some dude stood up and said, hey, you don't know where I came from, or where I'm going, or who I am. Just trust me. I'd be like, Netflix film, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> yeah. Gibberish. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens today, folks. I am the savior of the world, right? Call me David Koresh. Call me Jim Jones, right? Come drink our Kool-Aid and we're going to make a new world. Who was the guy in San Diego? When I first moved, this very first year I was in San Diego, the, the Heaven's Gate cult. Do you remember those people? The comet was coming. Hale Bop was coming. coming and, and this guy convinced like, I don't know, 50 people, 100 people, that he was the Messiah and that, that, that's, that comet was a spaceship. And if you commit suicide in your brand new Nike sneakers, we're all going to go join that spaceship, right? What do most people see? 50 people believe that. How many people didn't, right? I mean, you hear it. Of course you know it's, it's hooey, right? Now, this is the point. The, the other thing here is that you've got to understand is he's speaking to the Jews. The Jews had very specific preconceptions about what all of the Messiah was going to be, right? And now this guy is coming. He's not a military commander. He's not a great king. He's some guy that wandered out of Galilee and has this Galilean accent. And he's telling you things. What are his claims? This is important. What is he claiming? He's the Messiah. He is the Messiah. What else? Sent by God. Sent by God. God is, God is his father. I mean, God is God. his. <clears throat> and that they're one. Unless they believe in him, they die in sin. You follow him, you die in sin. There's a, there's a sense that you have to believe him on your own uh, without any other witness. So he's his own he's his right. own witness. He's I mean, but he says it. He says nobody else. You guys don't understand this because I'm the only one that's claiming it. This is, this is I, I will put this here because I will say this is what the Jews think is true, that he's his own witness. What would you, who would you say is God, Jesus' witness? The, the law disciples. and the prophets. <laughs> the law, the prophets, God, the, the disciples, disciples, and who lives in you now convincing you that Jesus is who he says he is? The Holy Spirit. Well, he started off with I am the light of the world. There are seven I am statements. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Right? I am. Uh, Tell me, Angela, oh goodness, what does that test. mean? The, oh, well, you don't have to list all seven. Okay. What does it mean, though? It's the way, way to eternal life. Um, well, that was God's name in the Old Testament was I am. Yeah. And so then he's Folks. using God's name. 
Now, egoimi, okay. the Greek for this, <coughs> which he probably, long, I'm not going to go down that tangent. <laughs> egoimi, in, I know, that's at 10 o'clock. <laughs> means I am, but it, but it doesn't just mean I am, folks. The Greek can mean I am he, it's me. It can mean a lot of different things. Jesus is saying it here as probably John the Apostle writing in Greek is making a point. And why? Because, and I think we'll get to it a little bit later, as soon as Jesus says, me, I am, which probably he was saying in Aramaic or Hebrew, the very first thing that the Jews do is what? Back to Moses. What? what? They pick up, what do they do? They pick up stones and they get their fists ready. Why would they do that if it was just, he was just saying it was me? I, it was me back then. He is claiming to be God. He is claiming Godship, some kind of Godship. Are these claims, and, and, and he makes many other claims, enough to get you killed in the first century? Well, by Jews. Better believe it, yeah. Seems like they're trying to figure out, okay, is this guy crazy yeah. or is he liar? Yes. Because they're not going to consider the fact that, hey, the third alternative is he's telling the truth, he's the Messiah. That's impossible because this is it. he's this not is on it. the white horse with the sword with an army behind him. Is he a he's liar, a lunatic, a lord? Well, and like they are also, like their eyes are closed. Like yeah. it says in the Old Testament many times that, like, you know, they won't. He they, I will speak to them, and they won't hear me. And yep. you know, they'll see me, and they won't be able to, you know, understand. And <clears throat> so there's a certain even the disciples. Like it'll say, like Jesus did this, but the disciples didn't understand what was going on. You know, like when he says, like I'll rebuild the temple in three days, they don't understand what he means by right. that until after the resurrection. So I think mm -hmm. there's a certain part of Jesus where a lot of people don't quite understand what's going on because. Their eyes are closed for now. God purposefully did that mm -hmm. for that time. The reaction. If you're a chemical person, that means reaction. And I mean, what were the people's reaction to this? What were the reactions? And we'll, we'll talk about this. Anger. Anger. What else? Many came to believe him. Many believed. Thank you, sir. Yeah, they had hope. Many had hope. What else? Right, confusion. Confusion, thank you. What else? They were they they were asking questions. Who are you? Curious. Curious. Yes, yes, yes. It's not all bad. It's not all good. Man, much of it is just trying to understand what's going on here. And you could make the argument, look, if they were really that threatened, he would have been dead on the spot. Well, you know, if it was his time. But they keep asking him. Why do they keep asking him? I, I really believe, although they're angry, they, they want to know what the blank is going on here. Because why? What is so, what is so interesting about Jesus... <clears throat> mission to the earth that, that sets him apart from every other prophet or false prophet. What was he doing? He loved people. He loved people. That's one. What else? He did a lot of healing. He did miracles, folks. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the big reasons I think that the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders kept him alive was because they keep hearing all of these stories that he's performing miracles. Now, it is not uncommon in the period, especially in Palestine in the first century that a lot of these these fake 
messiahs were springing up and fake prophets, but none of them could claim the kind of miraculous power that Jesus was claiming. What happens, I think it was earlier in John, and it's throughout the Gospels, some of the, some of the miracles that Jesus performed were never performed by a prophet in the Old Testament, ever. Okay? And many, many, many witnesses are coming forward to say, he healed me. Look, remember, just a few chapters ago, the blind man, I was blind, and, and Jesus came and healed me, and now I can see, right? And they were so mad about that, they wanted to kick him out of the temple, right? Excommunicate him, and then they brought, they drug his parents in. So it's not just Jesus. A lot of people are saying he's doing these miracles. So I truly believe a lot of it has to do with, they're just like, what is going on here? Because you know it. Look, we live, in a, we live in a cynical age. If all of a sudden, 10, 20, 30, 40 people started filling into, into Pathway Church saying, there's this guy out there. His name is Yeshua. He just healed me of my, of my broken legs, my crippled legs. I've been in a wheelchair my whole life. Another person says, I was blind, now I can see. I used, you can look it up. I had a stick, right? I have braille books, whatever. They're flooding in. They're saying, you, I was next. How many of you had a miracle, right? And all these people in the room raised their hand. What would you think about that? Investigation. There might be something. There's something going on. Mm-hmm. There's something going on. So I truly believe it's not all evil or good. Let's, let's continue on here because this is important. We've got to finish this. Let's do 31 <coughs> to, you know what? I think we should just finish it. Brian, if I can, I'm going to throw in that unlike yeah. false prophets, Jesus dies first. Say it again. Jesus dies first. Jesus dies first. You know, he doesn't call for this mass suicide that so many false prophets. Thank he, you. He dies. <laughs> now the, his followers do die for what they believe, <clears throat> but he he led the way. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I like that. Thank you. Let's go ahead and finish this out and read the rest of the chapter. Who would like to do that for me? Sure. Thanks, Steve. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but but he who sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not from God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. How many people now think Jesus was just some loving hippie that didn't, didn't stir the pot? <laughs> what was his attitude and his approach? Are you single-minded? Explain. He was look, what, spreading God's message, and he had to go to the Calvary. He was focused on towards that. That's his claims. I, yeah, okay. It wasn't really touchy-feely. I mean, if you tell someone that their father is Satan, I mean, it's pretty direct. <laughs> like, I wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tipping point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to hear that, that's for sure. <laughs> you know? What, uh, what is his approach? He's, he's humble. And is, <clears throat> I'm not God. I'm of God. I'm from oh. He's humble in his... I want to be very specific here. He doesn't exalt himself. Yeah. Humble in, humble in his self. And i got to be really careful here. Confident yet... In in in, in the, I'm going to say it this way maybe power yeah power. I'm going to say it that way yeah. humble in this in 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 being truthful about the source of his power I'm going to say he, it that way he knew he would be exalted so he didn't have to you know uh-huh. build himself up so much today he was also humble and it wasn't really as much here in in the way that he dealt with people and I heard it earlier that he was he was a his message was love that is true he was humble also in service I think. To people who needed him, but I want to get back to this this passage. And he, What's his approach here, he folks? He stood up for God, like the truth, mm-hmm. and he would not. And it, I guess, angered him when people ah. um, fought that or were um, uh-huh. I don't know what the right word is, but were saying he was lying. He's like, I am not. I am not. An, you are near the devil. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going I'm to put words in your mouth. I'm going to say he was yeah. very direct. Yeah. He was very, very direct. He didn't pull any punches, folks, <clears throat> when necessary. And, and at the same time, fully understanding of their position, where they were coming from. 
and I'm going to put their position because I think it relates to he dealt with certain people in different ways depending on who they were. Because yeah, it's like the way he's talking, he knows that he's riling them up. Like yes. when he's talking about Abraham and stuff, he knows that he's being confusing to them because they're going to take it very yeah. literally that yeah. Abraham was a long time ago, Jesus. Yeah. Don't you know this? Like you're, you're not that old. And he knows that they're not going to understand what he's talking about. You know? They understood the mic drop, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. I'm going to do that. Mic drops. Lots of mic drops. Well, mm. and it went to fulfill its purpose, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Purpose. Put that there. I think what I'm getting at, folks, is that this is really important, and this applies to today. This is something I think we need to learn from. You can't hide behind, you can't try and make the whole world happy. I'm just going to say it. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. This is the truth here. I'm going to write a bell curve because I love bell curves. I like to make them up. <laughs> right? Love, hate, number of people. On any given day, sorry to say this, Steve Cruz, <laughs> just going to pick on you. You can be the most Stevie Cruz Cruz you are, <laughs> right? No matter what you do, right? Which is pretty I don't think cool, I've ever called by you the Stevie. 20% <laughs> of the people are going to hate you. Sorry to say it. 20% are going to love you and think you can do no wrong. 60% are going to be somewhere in the middle. Is it your job to make everyone on earth happy? Nathan, is it your job to make everyone on earth happy? Sure isn't. Is it possible to make everyone on earth happy? No. Definitely. If it was possible, Jesus would have done it, right? Because he was perfect. <clears throat> the harder you try to, to make people happy, I'm going to tell you right now, what, the, what do you think the curve does? The more you try and make people happy, love, hate, number. Don't move. More you're going to get that. You're going to get the the ends are going to come in together. You you'll get uh -huh. more people to uh -huh. like you, but you also get more people to hate I you. I love this. I so love you this. You might end up with thirty on each end. You're going to get fifty fifty. More people, you're going to get fifty fifty. The more you, and in fact, I was going to go an opposite way. They call it a Poisson curve. I was going to say more more people hate you. The more you try and make everyone happy, the more you make no one happy. Jesus here has decided what's more important here is truth. What's more important here is understanding your audience, being sensitive to that. How many times did he rebuke his own disciples? <clears throat> Pretty much every page of the Bible. Okay? Like when they're like, he's, he's mad at us because uh, we're, we forgot the bread. When he's talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, he's like, no, it's not about bread, you dummies. The head thunk, right? Oh, yes. it's the face palm from Picard, right? The, the, the Picard face okay. palm. The more you try and make people happy, the more no one is happy, and the more no one will know truth. Jesus knew that. He lived a lightning fast life. Three-year ministry and was over. He knew, I have very short time. I have to tell people what truth is. A lot of people got ticked off about it, but a lot of people also believed. When you die, I'm just going to ask you. I have, I have an, uh, you know, this, this room right now I feel is full of seasoned Christians. 
<clears throat> except for my lovely children who are getting there. <laughs> I love you. And Rhea. <laughs> you, you, when you die, do you want to go to your grave saying, I spent what few years I had telling people the truth? Or do you want to say, I spent what few years I had trying to make people happy and the truth never came out? <laughs> are you really afraid of pissing people off? Well, I mean, our mission is the Great Commission, right? Yes. That's literally the only thing we need to go out and yeah. make disciples of all nations. And what is that? I'm going to write it right here. I'm going to write it right over here. It's, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sum it up. Loving directness. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's the, two, it's the two halves. In love, you're doing this because you love people. Right? It's tough love. I call it tough love. I, I talked to my, my team about this at work. Tough love. It's important. I'm doing this because I know that there's a right answer here, and I want you to find it. It is my job to do whatever I can to get you to that right answer. I'm going to find what works. In some cases, you hate my guts. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm accepting that. In some cases, people will love me no matter what. I'm kind of also not okay with that because I want them to be thinking. What are your reactions to all of this? Hui, you can disagree with me. One thing I notice here is he's, he's responsive. He's responding yes. in everything. It, they're asking the questions. He's just giving them answers. Willing to answer. Boy, that's a good one. And he's never, he's never like, I'm done with you people, is he? Hmm. Is really, in a way. It was when they picked up the stones that was done, right? He's like, hey, I'm out of here. I mean, they called him a Samaritan, and they said he had a demon inside of him. That seems very odd. Like, it's pretty low. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because Samaritan is like already, yep, like, that's, that's at the bottom. like the most yep. hated, and and with the demon, yeah. like, like yeah. God. If you weren't and I love the fact they phrase it as a question. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. I love the fact they phrase it as a question. Like, we're not going to dishonor you by saying that you have it. We'll ask you instead, and then... You know, then it's honorable. Are we not right? Yeah. <laughs> and the whole irony is the people accusing him of blasphemy are the ones committing blasphemy. We kind of treat others as the mirror to ourselves. I hate to say it. You see in others what you know in your heart is your flaw, right? Mm -hmm. You're just close-minded. You <laughs> just don't want to hear what I have to say. When people say that, what are they really saying? I'm close-minded. You're making me uncomfortable in what I believe. Yes! Yes. All right. This was, this was a great first week back. We'll see if any come back next week. Uh, <laughs> right? We'll but I appreciate all have the COVID this. next week, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, all right. Two weeks from now. That's right. The peak. It's always two weeks away. Now Thank you. Now that I'm here now, so like yeah. you won't see them again. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, hopefully.